If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. That is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com, slash Todd Huff Show. For those who want to watch the program live or on demand today. So, want to talk about the convention last night. Again, Obama speaks, Hillary speaks, um, Kamala Harris speaks. Speaking at the beginning, she said something about having a, a voting plan, the importance of Democrats to have a voting plan. <laughs> a voting plan. Folks, I have voted since 1996. I voted since 1996. I've never once had to come up with an actual voting plan, a plan on how what what is in, what's entailed in a voting plan. You know, they make it sound like and this dovetails nicely with the United States Postal Service conspiracy theories as well. But they make it sound like voting is the most complicated, convoluted, difficult thing to do that an American can conceive of. She actually, at the beginning of the convention last night, day three, day three of this, I mean, debacle, day three of this company Zoom call is what it feels like. The timing's off. They show empty podiums. They have to restart their speeches. Just an absolute mess. But Kamala last night, before this thing, at the very beginning, calls on voters, Democrats, to have a voting plan because of how difficult it is, I guess, to vote. I think they should think through, <laughs> think through this strategy a little bit because I think the harder you make it sound, sound like it is to cast a ballot, the, the fewer people that are watching this nonsense are going to want to jump on board and, and try to go through the process. If you make it sound like if you make it sound like you're going to have to donate a kidney or some such thing, people aren't going to want to do this. And I wonder why I mean, why do you have to have a voting plan, a voting plan when you have early voting, when there's absentee uh, voting? 
when there's all these get-out-the-vote campaigns and all this kind of stuff, I mean, a voting plan. They make it sound like, again, this, this falls into the narrative they're trying to create, which is effectively effectively that Republicans are trying to keep people from voting. In fact, she said that. Somebody said that last. Hillary, maybe? I can't even keep track. There's so much, so much craziness going on up there. But having a voting plan... I also want to say this. I watched the all three nights of this convention. Tonight is the last night, and I am – you know how you feel for those of you that, that run. Maybe you've run a marathon. I'm on like mile maybe 20 here in my mind metaphorically here, and I am – I mean I'm tired. I've hit the wall. I have – I there's no more water stations here. I, I don't know how to tell you this, and I look at the it, – it's like – I know at the the, the uh, Indianapolis Marathon or whatever they call this thing, maybe it's the mini, the Indianapolis Mini, but there's a, a part of the race where you run the the oval at the Indianapolis 500 at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And I've been told by people that have run this that that's kind of a tough. My my wife has done this before. This that's a tough part. You, you're running these um, these stretches of, of just flat open space because those back stretches in the front stretch are, are they're large, they're flat, they're, there's no curves and you're kind of out there in the middle of just this big asphalt track running out there, can see forever. That's kind of how I feel here. We got one more night of this thing. I had to listen to voting plans, early voting, absentee ballots. Now we need voting plans. I mean, we're we're almost to the point. If we make voting any any easier, if you make, and I don't, I'm not saying voting should be made hard, but folks should have to. I mean, you can't just sit at home and you know raise your hand or answer the phone and tell a pollster who you want to cast your vote for. Like that's that's not a secure way to do this. But the idea that we need voting plans so that we can actually cast ballots is preposterous but that's where this thing started off last night and i also tell you, i mentioned i watched this thing on abc i wa- witnessed last night i witnessed last night one of the most ridiculous uh i don't know what you would call this just a, a, a little piece a piece between that talked about the relationship <clears throat> excuse me between former president barack obama and former vice president joe biden soon to be well, he is the official nominee. Now he'll accept it tonight in his speech. We think. We think that's what Biden's going to do. Who knows what Biden's going to do? They're telling him, well, he's well in bed right now, hopefully. They're telling him, stay on the script, Joe. Stay on the script. Read the teleprompter. You're going to be speaking at, I don't know, 1030 tonight. Stay on the script. Don't try to improvise. Don't go Donald Trump here and start talking off the cuff. This is not going to go well. Stay on the script. So he's getting ready for that. ABC last night, ABC put this piece together. I mean, it's just remarkable. I told my wife when we were watching this, I said, that is the most ridiculous. And this is saying a lot because I watch stuff like this just to see the arguments, or it's not even arguments. It they they don't want to have an argument. They don't want to have to make the case for Biden. Instead, they do these these puff and fluff pieces that are designed to just connect with you emotionally and just make you feel things. 
fact, as we were watching last night, my wife looked at me puzzled at one of the things that was said at this convention. And I said, you're thinking too much. If you really want this to, to resonate the way they want it to resonate, you just have to feel it. You know, you, you're, you're, if you find yourself thinking and analyzing what they're saying, you're not really in the target audience here because these, these things are meant to elicit a feeling. Ooh, I don't like that, so let's vote for this guy. That's where we are in 2020. Actually, it's been there for quite some time. But I watched this fluff piece between, well, put together by ABC as a piece of journalism, mind you. They actually said in this piece, I've thought about playing clips of this. I don't know. Maybe we can find it. I'm not sure if I want to do this or not, but it says, they said in the piece that Biden and Obama, of course, the O'Biden-Bama administration, had the closest closest relationship in modern history between, between president and vice president. I have an immediate question about this. I have an immediate question about this. Why, if that was the case, did President, former President Obama not endorse Biden until even Biden's current opponent, well, his last opponent in the primary anyway, Bernie Sanders did? You know that. So everyone dropped out, and it was just Biden. Obama still didn't endorse him. He didn't endorse him until after his opponent, Bernie Sanders, not only dropped out of the race, you would think... If you want to stay neutral, okay, fine. You're going to wait until he drops out. But why wait until the guy that was running against him days before actually then endorsed Biden before you did? In fact, I remember. I remember putting. To, I remember saying on this program. I remember a social media graphic of a poll quote from this program that said something to the effect of what I said that day, which was the last Democrat to endorse Joe Biden was Barack Obama. And that's almost true. That's almost true. It might have been a little bit longer for maybe Hillary. There was someone else. Maybe it was my cousin Liz, Elizabeth Warren, who also spoke last night. But last night was designed to do two things. Because, again, you have to look at this. This is a production value event, they think. Although viewership compared to 2016 is down. I think I saw... It's around 50%, 51, maybe even 56. I, I saw this yesterday. It's in half, cut in half. So no one's watching this besides me and a bunch of folks who are probably going to vote for uh, Biden anyway. But last night was designed to do two things. Last night was designed to make this um, look like the Democrats are embracing women, 2020, is the political year of the woman, whatever that's supposed to mean. I, You know, as someone who actually takes words literally and, and, you know, believe that they mean things and believe that this nation was founded in such a way not to, I mean, to, to, to uh, build a society that's the same for, for everyone, and I understand, look, we've been through this countless times, that it took a while for the United States to correct the uh, their original sin of, of slavery. But we have remedied that. We have now established in this country a very firm foundation for liberty for all. And that, look, that goes across the board regardless of gender, 
regardless of race, ethnicity, and all these sorts of things. And of course, there's idiots out there who hate groups of people for whatever reason. You're never going to fix that. There's no law that can fix that, by the way. There's no law that can make people not be idiots, not have hate in their soul and so forth. I mean, that's, that's, there's no legis. that's not a legislative problem. That's a, that's a condition of the heart problem, which is why someone like me would say that there's the importance of God, the importance of having a faith in Christ, the importance of following, following the things that the Bible teaches us to do. But anyway, last night was designed to tell us that the Democrats have, have it fully embraced 2020 as the year of the woman, although I thought 2016 was the year of the woman. The way they acted in 2016 with Hillary was that Nostradamus had predicted, you know, after he predicted the end of the world in what was it, 2012, he decided that wasn't going to be the case. So he started making other predictions. And 2016 was supposed to be the year that America thought it was time to have a female president. And then, of course, Trump stole it, stole that election from from Hillary via the Russian collusion story. Hillary, even, she can't pass up an opportunity to mention this, by the way. She mentioned that again last night. But last night was to, was all about, again, it's about creating a feeling, an emotion. And in addition to making it feel like or seem like the Democrats have embraced 2020 as the year of the woman, again, whatever on earth this is supposed to mean, they also wanted us to feel last night that Obama and Biden are buddies, that every, that what Obama did in his administration, Biden was right there beside him, making, uh, you know, step by step, making these things fall into place. And that this is effectively, effectively the third term of Obama, the Biden-Bama administration. That's why they say these things. Biden, again, on his own, Biden is not an inspiring candidate. On his own, Biden is not going to energize the base. On his own, Biden is not going to drive people to the polls. On his own, Biden is not going to give people a reason to vote for him. What Biden has to do is tap into these other emotions. He tap into the historical, the historic nomination of Kamala Harris, historic Right, they're trying to tap. They're trying to recreate 2008. I'm telling you, they're they're nowhere near. By the way, they're nowhere near that. And there's a myriad of reasons for that. But but namely, the candidate they have this year is not any of the things that Barack Obama was. And so they're trying to recreate that, and it's just it's failing miserably. So they're trying to piggyback on the people that made 2008 possible, namely Obama. Himself, So they're trying to piggyback on 2020 being the year of the woman and have a bunch of radical leftist women and Hillary up on stage, well, in front of the cameras anyway, telling us about whatever they want to tell us about how Joe's the guy. Joe's the guy, right? Joe's a good, decent man. That's what they tell us. Joe's a good, decent man and Again, when they tell us that they just the Joe's our guy, you can just see it on their face. They just they can't believe they're saying this. They don't want to say this. They've probably had some conversations with production folks off off camera saying, "Hey, is there another way I can say this? I don't think I can make this seem authentic." Of course, Hillary doesn't care. She still has 
flashbacks of that phony face she had when the balloons fell back in 20, 2016 at the convention. But that's what this thing is about last night. It's, it's, a, it's all about posturing and positioning. And ABC says that Biden and Obama had the, close, <laughs> the closest relationship in modern American history between a vice president and a president. And not only that, they also told us last night that Biden didn't want Obama to endorse him. That's that's why Obama waited, because Biden didn't want that endorsement. Biden wanted to earn this on his own. This is literally what they said with straight faces. You remember the Biden campaign, and I got to take a break here, but the Biden campaign was holding on to hope by a single thread. The Biden campaign was all but dead, metaphorically speaking here, symbolically speaking. It was all but over. And they had kind of a wing and a prayer in South Carolina, and then things changed in an instant because the party uh, power brokers, the big money Democrat party leaders and so forth, didn't want a socialist on the ticket. And so they all jumped behind Biden and got people out of the race and so forth. But the idea that Biden didn't want Obama's endorsement is absolutely ludicrous. And this was the most ridiculous thing I've seen in the news in some time, and that is saying a whole lot, given what we see in the news and these fluff pieces that are produced on a seemingly minute-by-minute basis. Got to take a break here, continue this discussion of last night's, uh, what, night number three of this Democratic convention train wreck. We'll talk about the speakers. We'll talk about some of the topics. We'll talk about Trump's tweets, all caps and all that. So we'll do that when we get back. Sit by, uh, sit tight. Be back in just, uh, just a minute. Welcome back. So I was reading some of these. Trump tweets to Oz during the break because Trump was on Twitter last night. And this drives some people mad. This drives some people out of their minds. Trump's on Twitter tweeting in all caps, by the way, all all caps. So I'll read a couple of these. So, of course, our lineup last night was Hillary. I think it was uh, my cousin Liz. Well, wait a minute. I don't know if Hillary or my cousin Liz was first. So those two were there, and then, of course, we had Barack Obama, and then we had, of course, Kamala Harris. And so Trump's tweeting when these folks are speaking and after they wrap up or whatever, but in real time, basically. So he says <laughs> when when uh, Obama, when Obama um, was speaking, Trump tweets this. Why did he, Obama, refuse to endorse Slow Joe? I don't know if I've heard Slow Joe before. I've heard Sleepy Joe. I've heard – there's another one I've heard, but I don't know about Slow Joe. Why did Why did he, Obama, refuse to endorse Slow Joe until it was all over and even then was very late? Why did he try to get him not to run? Remember, that was the story. 2016, he encouraged – Biden not to run, which again, you would think from someone who was as proud as he sounded last night talking about Biden that he would have said, hey, man, let's keep this thing going. We got a good thing happening here, right? We've got a great thing. You are 
you are, I mean, the greatest vice president ever. I think he said that. Did he say that? Or did you? Did he say that last night? Oz didn't hear that. I think he said that. I'll be honest. I was dozing off at the end when Kamala was up there. But I think Biden, excuse me, Obama said that Biden was the best vice president in history. I think he did. I think he said that. Yes. He did say it. Yes. Oz is confirming. The best vice president in history, folks. Think about that. If he's the best vice president, I have so many questions. Why wait to endorse the guy who was the best vice president in history? Why in 2016 do you encourage the best vice president in history not to run for president of the United States in 2016? Because it's the year of the woman? Because Hillary, it's Hillary's turn to be president? She needs to be coronated? You had to explain this to me. You're the best vice president in history. Maybe Hillary was considered the best first lady in history. I'm sure in their crazy view of reality, that's accurate. But why would you have the best vice president in history not run for president? It seems to me that you'd want that guy. It seems to me that you would want your your legacy to be firmly established in this nation and have your ideas not get taken down or, you know, replaced or removed from, you know, how this country operates when like like Trump did. It seems to me you would want those things to be taken further down the path of executing your little utopia here in the United States of America. But why did he tell him not to run? Especially as the greatest vice president in American history. That's a big statement, folks. That's a big statement. But Trump's out here tweeting that. He also tweeted when Kamala was speaking, but didn't she, speaking about Kamala, call him, speaking about Biden, a racist? Didn't she say he was incompetent? I mean, fair questions, by the way, because these things did come out back when they were competing against each other. So Trump's out there tweeting in all caps. Democrats are on stage trying to make this election about anything besides the issues. Right? In fact, I saw last night, was it Rahm Emanuel? Rahm Emanuel. Rahm Emanuel's on the panel at M- or excuse me, on ABC as I watch this thing. And I would have to say... Now, I know that ABC doesn't play all this this silly little stuff that this convention puts together. But the the so-called meat of this convention, the speaking parts, right, the the Obama speech, the Elizabeth Warren speech, the Hillary speech, the Kamala Harris speech, you can can condense these things. This convention could be 30 minutes, 30 minutes a night, and they would still have about 29 minutes of fluff. I think that they could do this instead of making me sit there listening to these commentators half the time. But Rahm Emanuel was there on the panel with George Stephanopoulos, with Chris Christie. He's sitting on the panel there as well, and there's other folks. But Rahm Emanuel, Rahm Emanuel actually said I – could, I couldn't believe this. I think I tweeted this last night. But Rahm Emanuel said, in Chicago we have a saying – Vote often. Oz is laughing because she saw this. She she saw this as well. Uh, Vote often and vote early. He actually said this. So the pretense of all this voting discussion we have, voting by mail and not having to have an ID at the voting booth, all this, these, these, 
you know, fake claims of voter suppression by Trump and Republicans, he really just highlighted what he thinks should be the case. That Now, I've always said it the other way. In fact, I said it earlier last night. I said, vote early and vote often. Now, he says vote often and vote early. I don't really know. That seems to not flow and make as much sense to me. Vote early and vote often. But regardless, it's the same thing. It's the same thing that Rom says happens in Chicago. Chicago notorious. You talk about a place that, that steals elections. You talk about a place that doesn't allow the voice of the voter to be heard. You talk about a place that doesn't have a good history for you know, ha- having a, a, an election with integrity. It's Chicago, folks. Chicago, of course, home to Rahm Emanuel. Rahm Emanuel, of course, tied to the Obama administration. Rahm Emanuel telling us the strategy of the Democrats is for people to vote early and vote often, or as he put it, vote often and vote early. So it's just it's one crazy thing, whether it's a person on I – I keep wanting to say on stage. It's not on stage because we don't do the stage, although Kamala went out on the stage, which was awkward in and of itself for other reasons, just the whole – basically silent big room, which probably would have been about as many people as Biden could have got to fill that room on a normal convention. But she was on stage. Everyone else is on camera. And I listened to crazy thing after crazy thing. And then I go, they flip over to these commentators and it's the same thing, telling me that Biden and Obama have the closest relationship of a vice president and president in modern American history, telling us that uh, you know, people should vote often and vote early. <laughs> vote early. Oh my gosh, these folks! It's like it's like they are so bold now. Like this is what we're gonna do. We're trying to get the election to be going the Democrats' favor, and we're willing to do whatever. We gotta we gotta make up conspiracy theories about the post office check. We got to accuse Republicans of trying to suppress the vote check. But we're going to get our folks to go out there and vote often and vote early. As Rahman, he literally said that on television last night. Now I don't. There's only what I mean. No one's watching this stupid thing, but nonetheless, he did say that. And then, of course, Trump tweets make this even more entertaining and enjoyable. So, more things about this convention when we get back, including some of the things that were said. And I want to talk post office too. If we don't get to post office this hour, we will get to post office second hour today which you can catch on YouTube, but I've got to take a break. Going to take a break here, come back, continue this discussion. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. Oz really found this humorous. I... Saw last night after Kamala spoke, I was on Parlor, which we're on Parlor now. Parlor is kind of, I don't know if you'd call it the conservative alternative to Twitter. It's a conservative, at least I, I don't even know if I'd say conservative, although a lot of conservatives are flocking there. It's just a place that lets you communicate without the thought police, the PC police jumping in and saying what you can and can't tweet and all this kind of stuff. By the way, I'm still waiting for Facebook. To remedy my situation here, you can't go to our website, at least as of my last check. Now, they could have fixed that. This I haven't checked this morning. But you can't go from the face. Facebook won't link to my website. It's there, 
but it's bothered by my website, which is very, very problematic. I mean, I, you know, our website is just so hate-filled and vulgar. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous that they even say these things, but they're bothered by something on our website. We don't know what it is. We think it's the conservative part. But anyway, um, Parlor is designed not to, to be this, right? It's, it's designed to be the antithesis of this. And so I go to Parlor last night after, after watching this stupid convention, watching Hillary and Elizabeth Warren and all this. And I see uh, Laura, what, Loomer, who, by the way, is, um, you know, she's, she's going to have a chance here to be Congresswoman from Florida. And she says that she's watching last night's, you know, convention with her staff, which included some Spanish speaking people on her staff. And they're so so she's watching with folks that, you know, speak Spanish fluently and they know the um you know, just the what words mean that, that are not in just everyday vernacular. They know the slang and so forth. And so pause that thought as you go to the Kamala Harris speech. So Kamala Harris last night, you know, first of all, they tried really hard to make her look very likable, like she's this sweet family lady. She's got this nice, soft, generous, lovely side. And they're going to have to work hard here because I'm telling you, her natural inclination is to be is to be abrasive. It just is. This is all going to – this is – it's not hard to see this. It's just really not. In fact, I would maintain – now, she's she's done well, I guess, in this, in a sense of not letting that side show too much here the first you know, couple of nights. But we will see this come out, and they'll tell us that when it does come out that it's just the prosecutor coming out on her. But there's an abrasiveness to her personality. And no, it doesn't have anything to do with her gender, and no, it doesn't have to do anything with her race, ethnicity, any of that stuff. It's just a, she's she can be quite abrasive, and quite I would say, from a p- most superficial sense I can possibly say it, just not someone that creates this, you know, really likable, warm, loving persona, which is fine. I'm not saying that's, but I'm saying that's what they're trying to make her look like. Anyway. So she's ta- they're, they're trying to you know tell her story and her family and how her mother and father met and how they both immigrated to this great nation and it's a good it's a great story, right? Politics aside, great story. Then she goes on to tell us that her, well, her stepchildren tell us what they call her and they call her Mamala, which when I first ha- heard it I thought well. My first question was, did they always call her that? Or did some strategist tell them that that's the right thing to, to say because it you know works uh, on a marketing level as they're out here on the debate stand? Well, there's no stage yet, but you know what I'm saying. When they're out here promoting the, the message and so forth, stuff that's memorable for the Democrat voter, that in, the, in the next breath she has to tell them to come up with a voting plan so that they know how to vote in 2020. But they apparently call her Mamala, which makes, again, the staff, Laura Loomer staff was watching this, and they all, the, the folks who speak Spanish start busting out laughing, according to a parlor that Laura Loomer sent out. And the reason is, and this made Oz about spit her coffee out here a minute ago, 
But the reason is that in, I guess, the the, the phrase mamala in Spanish means suck it. <laughs> it, mean, it means suck it. And that's what they call her. And Laura Loomer asked the question, is there no, his, you know, is, is, are there no Spanish-speaking people on her staff? Because it's apparently so common that people would would know this if they spoke Spanish. She said, did she not have a diverse staff and all this sort of stuff? But goes by Mamala, which means suck it, apparently. Reminds me of The Office. When David Wallace started a new company after getting fired or whatever from Dunder Mifflin, vacuums called suck it. So Kamala Harris, apparently Mamala means suck it. Anyway, I tell you, folks, this is, I mean, this thing, they're going to be excited. The Democrats are going to be more excited when this thing is over because it's been a, it's been a really poorly produced train wreck and nightmare. So talk a little bit more about this, this hour. And again, I'm going to get to the post office as well, because I think a lot of these things intersect when Kamala Harris is out there telling folks to come up with the voting plan, which, which we talked about at the top. It's really designed to tap into that emotion and that fear that says they're trying to steal the election from us. They're trying to make it as hard as possible for you to go vote. It's so hard, in fact, that you've got to come up with a plan, a plan, a written plan to come up and vote in 2020 because they're trying to defund the post office and they're putting mailboxes on trucks and chucking them into the Mississippi River, for all we know. And this is what they this is their narrative. Again, the narrative is not vote for Joe and Kamala because they have such great ideas. The the idea is to vote for Joe and Kamala because they're not Trump and Trump's trying to steal the election and, and establish himself as king. That's the narrative. Really is. I mean, it takes the phrase conspiracy uh, theories even to a new level. So, more on this convention when I get back. Sit tight. Be back in just a minute. back. You know, one thing I haven't mentioned yet was before this thing started last night, night three of this Democratic convention train wreck, but before this started, there were people that were upset that there were not enough Hispanics speaking at the convention. I, I can only imagine what it's like to be the person who organizes these events. You know, I mean, and I don't feel sorry for them because this is, they've created this themselves. They've created this world of identity politics where everyone only cares about the race, gender, ethnicity, color, creed, and all this stuff, sexual preference, orientation, whatever else. Cisgender, what, you know, whether they're BIPOC, biracial, uh, well, whatever. It doesn't matter. Just all these superficial and again i'm not saying these things don't matter i'm just saying you know to to an individual it's part of who people are but it's the only way they look at people now as you're as you're planning out the agenda it's almost as though you have to say okay we've got two hispanic women we've got you know one hispanic man one asian man one this or that one sexual predator. <laughs> I, mean, 
I, you know, I mean, I'm just telling you like it, like it is. But so you've got this focus on this is so much to where it's it's impossible to manage this. I mean, it's really to the point where I mean, it's going to get worse than this. You know, we're going to start asking ourselves how many bisexual or transgender uh, cross-dressers of a certain, you know, Native American or Asian American, what's, are, there, are those folks being represented? I mean, this, this can go on in directions that are literally unmanageable. Unmanageable. So folks are upset about this. Again, I don't know if, if you have a fake Native American on stage as they did last night with Elizabeth Warren, do they get to count? Do they get to check that box? I saw that she actually spoke. She spoke during this convention to um, a Native American audience um, about, you know, the about the, you know, just promoting or talking through the process of supporting democrats and she was she was speaking to the a native american group which is it's just insane to me elizabeth warren who pretends to be native american um i was waiting for her too last night when she walked out on stage and said i'm gonna grab me can someone grab me a beer i actually would have loved it if she did that hey honey before i start my speech can you grab me a beer actually would have been one of the highlights of this stupid thing but anyway this thing is a train wreck Again, last night, Hillary, Hillary is still, she's still upset. She's still bothered. She still cannot pass up an opportunity to talk about how President Trump stole the election from her, how our elections are not, you know, safe in the sense of, you know, generating accurate results. People are undermining the the election process and challenging its integrity. People like Trump. Meanwhile, we know that they were spying on a campaign, which Trump, of course, mentioned last night when Obama was speaking. Obama, the thing that struck me most about Obama, A, the speech was too long, which didn't surprise me. B, B, the he said democracy, our democracy, like I'm not even exaggerating here. I bet he said it 20 times. I'd have to go back and do a count, but multiple times, our democracy, our democracy, our democracy, our democracy. I don't think he even knows what the word means, but there's a reason that they do this. There's a reason that they do this, and it's for political purposes, which can't really get in. And of course, we have democratic aspects, but we have a constitutional republic. We have a republic, folks, a republic, a constitutional republic, and there's very good reasons we have that versus a pure democracy, versus a democracy that can then evolve into democratic socialism, which is really what this is all about. So anyway, I got to wrap up here. Jump off here and come back in a moment where we will wrap up hour number one and continue hour number two on YouTube, which you can join us there, Todd Huff Show at YouTube.com. So see you uh, on the other side of this break when we get back, and we'll wrap up hour number one. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. I cannot tell you how excited I am for this to be the last night of this Democratic Convention train wreck. Next week, of course, will be, I think, uh, a much more entertaining thing to talk about, which will be the Republican Republican Convention. But you know, it's it's look. I think 
I, in a way, in a way, I wish more people would, would watch this. I think I wish more people would watch this with a critical eye. And, rep- and watch the Republican one with a critical eye as well, not just to take in these things that people tell you, people tell other people. Don't just take it in without filtering it, but just watch and listen because I'm telling you, if these things are scrutinized at all, if, if they are scrutinized to the slightest degree, tiniest degree, it's obvious what we're being subjected to here, which is nothing more than identity politics, the rewriting of history, fluff pieces and bromances and all this stuff that's not real, all this stuff that isn't real, people that have, well, have a whole bunch of baggage, politically speaking, taking to the the cameras and so forth. Anyway, it's a mess. Talk about this more hour two. SDGC in a few. 